believed that there was a time when my faith was not strong enough to understand Psalm 51. In fact, I would say probably for the majority of my life, it would be hard for me... Whoa. Do not lean on this. <laughs> for the majority of my life, I could probably say that Psalm 51 would be a psalm that would be hard for me to understand and hard for me to read out loud with any sort of conviction or any sort of feeling that, that connected it to myself. And I know that that is a, a difficult thing to admit and to stand in front of you and actually say, especially as, uh, as we are ones who, as Lutheran Christians, identify ourselves not, uh, not only as a sinner, but proudly would say, chief of sinners though I be. Psalm 51 is a part of Scripture and is a part of a prayer and a text and a praise that reminds us time and time again that I do not stand before you and you do not stand before me and none of us stand before God on our own. That it is not by my own convictions that I speak to you. It is not by your own words that you pray. The time that we just gathered here and went through confession before God, they were not our own willingness that brought us here, but rather the Spirit of God. It was His actions, His timing, His words that poured forth through us and brought us to Him. It was a few years ago, someone I, I knew that had gone through quite a bit of struggle spent much of her time in prayer, much of her time in anxiousness and worry and trying to make herself better. And at the end of her road and her journey, the words that she could only say is, I am sick. Those are words of faith. Those are words of truth. We are here not because everything is okay. We are here because we need something. We are here because we've been brought here by God to hear His Word. We are here because our Lord has done something magnificent for us and He continues to do it each day. Psalm 51 starts out, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I used to have a screen that would be right here so I didn't have to turn around and look. And you all thought I was magnificent. <laughs> I needed that, thank you. (laughs) 
When I was a kid in our uh, home uh, that we were first raised in, we lived on the outer suburbs of uh, St. Louis. And our home was right next to a set of woods. And that woods provided us endless hours of entertainment. And it provided us the opportunity to get away from home. I actually never know, and I should ask my parents now, that when we would venture out into the woods, if they actually knew what we were doing or where we were going. Uh, But what we actually did proves to me that they didn't know (laughs) in any way. And so as we would come back uh, out of the the woods, uh, because the sun was starting to come down or we knew uh, trouble would be had otherwise, we would make our way into the house, uh, my brother, my cousin, and I. And as we would come through the door, dirt would just be everywhere. You know, our, our bikes would be uh, caked in dirt and through, because we would go through the creek and, and uh, the water would splash up and then would collect on the bikes themselves and our legs would be covered with those mud spots that you get. Uh, the only way you can get them here in Seattle is if you go hiking these days. Uh, we would be just covered in absolute filth and disgust. And surprisingly, as we would come into the house, my mother did not reject us. But her first words would be to us is, time to wash up. It's time to wash up, to clean yourselves up and to get ready for what is next. As we come into the doors, as we come into the world, we enter into the world already with filth and dirt and decay and muck caked all over us. I've seen babies come out now. I don't like to think about it, but I've seen it. And they come out dirty. And they need to be cleaned and they need to be washed. And that is exactly how you entered into this world. That is the birth of our flesh. Dirty, painful, and frankly, gross. And the Lord, seeing it, says to you, it's time to wash up. It's time to wash off that iniquity. It's time to wash off that sin. It's time to come forward and to drown and to rise up clean washed of that sin, washed of that iniquity. So that every time the world, our enemy, every time whatever can happen to us, throws mud at us. Cannot stick. Because we've been washed. The iniquity, the sin that we were born into has been washed off. Our prayer is the same prayer of David after he had gone through his own adultery, his own murders, murderous ways. And his prayer is this, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sins. This is a song that we ourselves even sing. And it is to us a reminder of the very acts of God. We do not wait around waiting for ourselves to decide anything. We do not hope and put all things into our hands and desire for us to walk up there by ourselves, but rather we know that the only person 
who can wash us clean is God himself. And it is by his power that that has happened in your life. It is time to wash up. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, Lord, have I sinned and done what is evil in the sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in dirt, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, my delight is in truth. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Once again, we find ourselves in this time and in this place. Having brought in with us into these doors today the many different things that each of our weeks has carried with it. Each of the month has carried with it. And if it's been like mine, you've got the baggage. So as you come forward into this house, we come forward knowing that there again is something we desire in our life that is an action of God. Millions of people, millions of brothers and sisters, even in the faith, find themselves struggling time and time again to find their feet under them. If only they can put forward the right habits and the right ways, they can combat and keep sin out of their life. If only I can find the right church and the right place where the pastor can actually give me the formula to make it through okay, I will be fine. But we know. We know what we've been born into. A lifetime of experience has taught us that no matter how high we build up these walls, no matter how much we can keep people at bay, sin, transgression, division continues. And there's only one person. There's only one person who can bridge the distance from here to there. There's only one person who can build up any sort of wall. There's only one person who can actually bring something into our lives that gives us hope. There's only one person who could ever take us and turn us from the path that we're on and turn us back towards love and hope and forgiveness. We have not been brought forward into these doors by our own doing. We have not been brought to our knees with our own words. And in our prayers, it is not our own actions that we seek, but our prayer is actually that the Lord bring a repentant heart into our life. That the Lord purge us from the things that continue to plague us that the prayer itself is already assuming and knowing that on our own, we cannot do it. I've tried, you've tried. But rather, it is on our knees that we ask the Lord to do it for us. 
Remove from us this addiction. Take us out of this rut. Help us leave this thing of the past behind. Because on my own, as it says in Proverbs, I become like a dog returning to vomit. Purge me with hyssop. Set me right. You have already washed me, O Lord, but now it is time for you to take this heart and turn it back towards you. Because the only person who can do it is the only person who saved it. So we ask our Lord Jesus to do just that. Come into my life. Make me a repentant sinner. And help me walk towards you. There are many who try to rush that sometimes. There's, there's others who believe that on their own they can even find the way. I, I went with a buddy of mine the other day on a hike. And he is someone who, uh, who always wants to see the end. You know, and he's quite a bit taller than I am. So every time we went around a new switchback, he'd report that we were almost there. And I told him, and I believe this firmly, the moment you say that, you're only about halfway. (laughs) Within ourselves, we cannot see. Rather, we call on the one who can actually purge us of such iniquity and sin. The only one who can come into these dead hearts of ours and heal them and make them new. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let these dry bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. How many of you were singing in your head as I read that? Nikita Khrushchev, after uh, Yuri Gagarin came back from his amazing flight into the heavens, described that as Yuri went up there, he could not find God in heaven. Yet we know, not just in our faith, but in the words of God that we see ourselves, that the Lord's hands are in all things, that the very beauty of the area that we live in was created by Him. That the very beauty of the lives that we live now was created by Him. That the relationships that we have connected to one another are very creations of the God who's made the stars and the heavens and the world. Yuri went up looking to try and smack God in the face, but all along God was standing beside him in the very things that He has made and created. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, is not a prayer to some sort of distant God, but it is actually to the God who has first made these dirty hearts of ours. And in this prayer, we are praying that the Lord come back and recreate these hearts the way that they are meant to be. That in the midst of our repentance and at the base of our fall and in the depths of our shadows, our cry can actually be heard by the God who has made us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, is a cry for the clean heart of righteousness. It is a cry for a clean heart of purity. It is a cry of the clean heart that I and you were actually meant to have. Which means it is a cry for a heart that is not just about myself, but whose first thought is about the God who has made me and about the people next to me. It is a heart that first thinks of those who have something that I don't. It is a heart that thinks of those who think of others that have things that are missing in their lives. It is a heart that begins to first beat and think of the very Lord that has made it. Come create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because in that, the image that we were made in can actually shine forth into this world. People go about their business every day wondering what is their purpose in life. Entire media empires have been established trying to answer that question. And all along, the God who has made us has told us the purpose is to be His and to be in His image. To take that clean heart and that renewed spirit that He has given us. To give us a new heart that with every beat does not make its way to decay but a heart that beats for eternity. Christ says and His promise that we are about to celebrate in a couple weeks is that in His resurrection, these hearts that have been renewed and created are meant to beat forever. And so He matches this resurrection with the promise Behold, I have come to make all things new. And so if you were singing that song, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That these bodies of ours washed, these bodies of ours purged, these bodies of ours created, these bodies of ours restored is a restoration to joy. 
Not enslaved to any sort of formula of a good life. Not enslaved in any sort of way that makes us go around in circles as most people do. But rather restored to salvation. And so in this psalm, a psalm that takes the deepness of faith and makes it ours, it ends for us with a prayer of restoration. Restore unto me, Lord, my salvation. Restore unto me, Lord, these relationships. Restore unto me, Lord, this love. Restore unto me, Lord, all the things of you. So that in my brokenness, in the depths of my shadows, in the pains that I experienced, I may forever and always remember your works. That there in those places, the God who has washed me, the God who has purged me, the God who has cleansed me, the God who has created, the God who restores, is there with me. He was there with David after this prayer. And He's there with you after this prayer. In this restored faith and this restored salvation and joy, go forth and be His people. Amen?